everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. Hello, hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me. I know it's the middle of the night for you, and it's morning for me. So it's it's amazing that we can connect not only in from different parts of the world but at different time zones entirely, right? It is absolutely awesome. So yeah, such a pleasure to be here and to chat to you again. I love our conversations, so I'm very excited. Yes, yes. You were on the Seer show with me and Celeste and, and we had such a deep conversation on a lot of the things that you went through. I don't want to rehash every little detail because I want people to go check that show out, right? It's called The Seer Show. Take a look at that. That was an amazing, amazing episode. But here's the thing. Today, we're going to be talking basically almost about the same thing, but in a different context, if you will, right? The holidays are upon us. How we show love for other people. Um, I just saw something this morning on... Um, a, a Twitch boss who unfortunately committed suicide. Hmm. But there is so much beauty in life. So much. And we have to understand that we all go through different stages in our lives. Sometimes we judge other people when we shouldn't be judging, right? We should hmm. because we don't know what they're going through, what their thoughts are. So the beauty that I see in people is I, I think that everybody's unique and everybody has their own different challenges. You've gone through some, and I, I would love to hear how you even overcame some of them. So let's go ahead and take it away. Tell us a little bit about you. For those of you who have not seen the Sear show, um, Sarah is just an amazing human being who helps so many people. Sarah, let, let, just give us a little bit glimpse of to who you are okay a really quick overview so i work here in beautiful melbourne australia as a transformation coach infertility coach best-selling author speaker and energy healer and i'm really blessed to do what i love every single day helping people to deeply connect with self to go on that beautiful journey to self-love and discovery and transform their lives in whatever way they need to but it hasn't always been like that. My journey to self-love and understanding and accepting myself was through a lot of trauma, uh, which resulted in me going through an IVF cycle that went disastrously wrong. And I ended up in intensive care in Norway. I was living in the UK at the time. I'm originally from the UK. And really having to look myself in the eyes, so to speak, and ask, have I lived my best life? And the answer was no. Mm. And at that point, I, I decided that I was, if I was lucky enough to be given a second chance at life, I was going to spend the rest of my life facing my fears, uh, mm. living my life on my terms, not through the expectations other people had of me and empowering other people to do the same. And I'm really proud that I've done that and continue to do that. So I really feel very blessed that mm. I went through that difficult time but um, it's become a, a massive blessing in my life. And, and I have three amazing, beautiful children who are my greatest teachers and my biggest blessings. That's awesome. So three beautiful children. I have three, yes. Wow, yes. congratulations. Congratulations for sure. But it wasn't easy for you, right? No. Um, it wasn't easy, but you were determined. Right. Yeah. And, yes, I, think, and I think I didn't have a choice. You know, I got the, <laughs> the big, the big kick up the bum. And so I, 
I try to help people not have to have the big kick out of the bum mm. and try and catch catch those messages that our body's giving us every single moment of every mm-hmm. single day. Try yeah. and catch those a bit sooner and, and learn from those. So today we're going to be talking about the healing journey, what people go through, the the process of even the first steps towards healing, right? What were your first steps? What was that first realization that you needed to take care of you? I was very, very stressed at the Mm. time. So going through infertility is very stressful. And I was also working in the corporate world and it was a very stressful environment to work in. Mm -hmm. So a combination of those two things were the sort of tipping point for me. And I realized that that's neither of those situations was going to change my mindset around how I was going to deal with both of those challenges was what was going to be the difference for me in in how I got through those experiences. So the first thing that I did was walk through the doors of a local Buddhist meditation center. And that was a pivotal point in my healing journey of understanding the need to get still, the need Mm. to be silent, the need to really learn how to tune in to my mind, body and spirit. And I'm very, very grateful that even though it took me a lot longer than it should have done to go through those doors for the very first time, and I write about that in my book, that when I did, I felt this peace that I've never, ever experienced before. And every single week I just kept returning. And the minute I arrived in that in that center, I just knew that I was starting to come home to self. You, you know, and, and I'm happy that you um, shared that because a lot of people think that it's got to happen overnight. And, and the yeah. fact that you shared that it didn't happen for you that way. And, and mm-hmm. everybody has a different time clock, if you will, right? We all have yes. a different experience. We all have a different take. I, I've even said it a thousand times. You can take twins and they'll have a different experience, right? So, so true. for me, having you say that, I think will help. Just the, the little words, if we can listen intently at the moment to what's going on, not only like the words you just said about it didn't come overnight for you, and but eventually it did, right? And if we can be present, especially with our own experience, then we can understand that, you know, I'm not there. And I love this word. It's an amazing word, yet. I'm not there yet. Yes, I love that word too. But... I need to be persistent. I need Mm. to keep going on because I may not be there yet, but I'm on my way. Absolutely. It's just about taking that first step, Mm. not needing to know the end result, not needing to see how all the jigsaw pieces fit together, just putting that one piece in taking that next step, which leads to the next one, which leads to being able to put the next piece into the jigsaw puzzle until we see what I call the universe, what they, what, you know, what the universe sees for us and then learning to trust that process. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you brought up the word jigsaw puzzle, two words, right? <laughs> because there are so many different jigsaw puzzles we can work on. You know, when when I remember when my kids were very young, we had ones that like four pieces and it was made out of wood and they would always be able, and they had little handles on them and they can put them into places. And it was adorable. And and I used to have fun with them doing that. But then, then you give them harder puzzles, right? With maybe instead of four pieces, maybe... 20 pieces and then maybe a hundred pieces and then if you look at some jigsaw puzzles they can have a thousand pieces and they could be so small and i think that if we can look at our life 
and and the challenges that come. Some jigsaw puzzles, some challenges are going to be four pieces, right? Some are going to be longer to put together. So when we think of our challenges, our problems, if we can think of them as a jigsaw puzzle that eventually, if we're persistent, we'll get there. We will look at the whole picture. And sometimes you may step back, but there's things missing. Maybe there's people who have that piece, right? It's not just you putting the pieces together. You might have to ask for help. Listen, a, a thousand pieces uh, to a jigsaw puzzle can take some time. What if it's a hundred thousand pieces? What if it's a million piece jig? I'd never heard of one, but that would be pretty interesting, right? Because if everybody brought in a whole bag full of their jigsaw and then everybody put like, imagine a hundred people putting together this million piece jigsaw puzzle. Because sometimes, and we say it all the time, it takes a village, right? To raise a child. So we can't it do it alone, right? Yeah. And I think we need to remember that, that we have our inner child and that needs to be nurtured and, and loved and supported. And that's a big part of the healing journey. But I love the analogy of everybody putting all the pieces together in, in one giant puzzle because we are all connected. Yes. And sometimes we forget that and sometimes we don't ask for help when we when we need to. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay not to have all the answers. We all have people that we go to to seek support and advice and reassurance and to help us take that next step. So I encourage people to do that in whatever capacity they need to. Yeah. And I think sometimes we need a coach, right, to, to help us with yeah. that. Because, listen, you may be trying to put that piece in that and it's not fitting and, and you're turning and it's not going in. And then your coach will go, hey, by the way, that piece goes over there. Right. So yes. we yes. need to we need to have guidance sometimes. Right. And, and a lot of people don't ask for that help, that that assistance. Um, and, and, you know, we, we like I said, I read something on someone who took their life at 40 from suicide and it was. They didn't ask for help. Meanwhile, they they showed a video of them three days ago looking super happy. But that's, that's on the outside. What's on the inside, right? So we need that healing process. And sometimes we don't know what somebody's going through. So a lot of times, the simple words of, how can I help? What can I do? You know, and, and without, here's the thing, a lot of people ask for help. And they'll get help. But sometimes the people who help want something in return. So they don't feel valued, right? So if you ever offer your help to anyone, the best thing you could do is expect zero in return. Yes. Because I then agree. you're a real giver at that point, right? Yes. And I think it all comes back to us in different ways at different times. We don't have to. Relationships don't need to always be balanced. Yeah. It is. It's like for me, relationships are, are like a dance. Sometimes one person leads and other times somebody else will lead. And we may never get back from somebody else what we've put into that person, but we're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. It will come back to us through other means, through other people at different stages in our life, right. through a complete stranger yeah. walking down the street, you know. And that's what's beautiful about life is that, Every single person has a unique purpose and unique gifts, skills mm -hmm. and talents. And it can be as simple as smiling at somebody and saying hello to somebody, not knowing that that could literally save somebody's life, change their day, help them to feel seen and valued and heard. Mm, definitely. And I, I like the fact that you talked about it can be a complete stranger, right? Because you may be down and you may be at a, at a position in your life, you're like, oh, man, nothing is working. This is not happening for me. And someone can just give you a big, beautiful smile and they'll go have a beautiful day. And all of a sudden you're like, maybe I should. Maybe I should just like 
take one moment at a time. But a lot of people are ashamed, right, of what they may be going through. And that's why they stay silent. That's why you'll see them with their head down. They are not, maybe they, they don't think they're worthy. But I want to let everybody out there who's listening to us know that they are worthy. And they're worth so much. You are so valuable to not only to your immediate community, but definitely your family. And listen, even if you come from a broken family, there is still that connection that we have to find. And if a lot of one of the things that I always say is we can't choose our family, but we can choose the people we hang around with. We can choose. Sometimes we can't even choose our boss because maybe we're in a position and we have a great boss and then a different boss takes over and that's a rotten boss. But you can choose to change that too, right? We have choices. Sometimes they're difficult to make, but we still have to make them, don't we? We do. And sometimes the most difficult things that we go through and the most difficult choices are the things that lead us to the most personal growth and the most inner fulfillment. So mm. when we can reframe some of those challenges and see them in a different way, I think it brings a light to it that helps to to sort of balance out that darkness. And I think we need to acknowledge within ourselves that we are human beings and we all suffer. And being vulnerable and asking for help and being there for each other is part of what it is to be human. Mm. It's the most... I had to go on on a crazy journey through vulnerability. I'd always felt so in control and so strong. And then at a time when I was literally on my knees, I had to ask people for help and I had to be vulnerable. And I realized that that is our greatest strength. We don't see vulnerability as strength, but it really is. And I'm very grateful that I've been able to reframe that. And now I can work with other people to help them to take those steps to ask for help and to support other people in a, in a way that is very beautiful it we are all connected it is but you know a, a lot of people have gone through what you have and they've come on the other side you know maybe maybe they've had beautiful babies maybe they just never were able to but what possessed you to go ahead and say, I want to share, but I want to help. I don't want to just share. I want to make a difference in someone else's life because what they're going through, maybe they don't have to. Maybe there's a better way that I found. So, but a lot of people have gone through what you have and they just kind of kept it to themselves. What, what made you decide that I need to help? I think for me, it's about realizing that we have one life, if you don't believe in past lives, in future lives, but we have we have this one life in this in this human body. Right. And for me, the most fulfillment I get in life is is through personal growth and contribution, is through being of service and being there for other people. That fills up my own soul. So if I'm being really selfish about it, doing my doing my work fills me up. I don't mm. see it as work. But more than that, I was very conscious that there is so much silence and stigma and shame surrounding infertility. And I didn't want anybody else to go through what I went through. For me, it was as simple as if I share my story verbally and um, writing my story and I can help just one person, just one person to hold a healthy baby in their arms, the ripple effect of that love and that joy that that one baby will bring to the world, let alone what that baby is here to do themselves mm. and their own life purpose, right. is right. crazy. Like you can't even you can't even measure that. So I can choose to either stay in my own shame and silence, which is a big part of that journey through infertility, or I can shine a light on it and take away some of the power that that shame has over us and help other people to realize that 
they're not alone, that there are lots of people going through this, unfortunately, but we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I I can lead by example. Right. I can do that. And and so I I decided that that was going to be the path that I took mm-hmm. and will continue to take. That's beautiful. The, the, the fact that you, you already have helped so many women um, go through this. But, you know, one of the things is that a lot of people don't realize it's not just the women that go through it. It's, it's the whole family um, part, right? It could be, yes. um, you know, obviously the partner, right? The husband. It could be whether they're married or not. It could be the parents of, of the lady, of the woman. It could be relatives. It could be somebody who's a, a close friend. So it touches upon so many people because there, there has to be so much stress. And then there also has to be a lot of blame. And we talked about this, right, uh, on, on the other show, where who are we blaming? When we really shouldn't be blaming because sometimes the blame itself can hinder, right? Can hinder the, the, the possibility of, of that beautiful experience, right? Yes. I mean, I blamed my body for years. I was ashamed of my body. It wasn't doing that one thing that so many other people can do so easily and maybe even take for granted. So it was a very physical journey and I didn't understand how my mind and my spirit were also affecting that journey. Mm-hmm. And from the point that my body, you know, when I went through IVF and that nearly killed me and then my body started to heal itself and I looked at my body and went, wow, you're amazing. <laughs> my relationship with my body just changed and I promised to love my body what's and all for the rest of my life. And I'm really proud that I've done that. But it was a journey and a lot of people that, that work with me don't like themselves, let alone love mm. themselves, have body shame issues, regardless yeah. of whether they're going through infertility or not. So it's a big topic. It's a big thing that affects everybody, men, women, children. Um, so it is something that we, we need to talk about. We need to acknowledge that. And when we consider that the relationship we have with self and our body is our body that's going to be with us until we take our last breath, Mm. then we can reframe that as, well, let's give the best to ourselves so that we can be our best version and we can live our happiest, healthiest life. You know, you you made me have a thought just now. And the thought is, what if reflection was not possible? That means no mirrors were ever made. You could not see your own reflection mm-hmm. in, in, in water. Yeah. What if that was not possible? Would we have body shaming, right? Would we? And then what if we were all, so there's one thought, right? And then the other thought is, what if we were blind, all of us? And it wasn't, and we can still get around because our, our, our hearing was exceptional. Maybe we can send out sounds like the way bats do, right? Because think about it. Bats have no shame, right? <laughs> How do we know? Do do? Maybe, they, maybe they do, but so, so here's the thing. They still get around. They can still fly. They sleep in a weird position. But would we have body shaming if we could not see, if, we can, if we, all we did was feel? Think about we are the only animals on the planet that have body shaming. Dogs don't have body shaming. Cats don't. Giraffes don't. Monkeys don't. Right? If anything, when they look at themselves in the mirror, they're amazed. Right? An animal looks at themselves in the mirror like, whoa, who is that guy? Or who is that girl? Right? So if we did not have that, what are your thoughts? Would we have body shaming? It's a very interesting question and mm. I haven't thought about it in that way, but I love I love the conversation we're having. It's definitely very interesting. I think I think it would be really interesting to have a conversation with people who are blind, who don't have their vision, to understand what their relationship with their body is like, or whether the 
the verbal narrative that they hear is still there and and they still carry something around body issues even if they can't physically see what they look like they still get a sense of what their body is like and whether there is still something there or or the the words that other people say to them mm-hmm. whether that you know still impacts them so i think there's a lot of deep rooted things that go on in our mind aren't there you know the things that we say to ourselves in our mind we would never dream of saying to anybody else we are our worst critic and we're very very harsh right on with ourselves so i think yeah there's maybe you could do a tedx talk on that <laughs> yeah that would be very interesting when, when we think thank you for that um when we think about um perception as well right because for the people who have body shaming they look in the mirror and they may see something different than what someone else sees. Someone who's going through anorexia sees themselves as big and overweight. Meanwhile, they're skinny and yet they don't see that image that everybody else sees, right? And when we can just accept who we are, no matter what shape we're in, right? what we look like whether it's our face our face you know our ears our nose our mouths our body our arms every part of us is a beautiful beautiful thing and you know one of the things is beauty is in the eye of the beholder right that is a a well-said verse but are we is that beholder judging Right. Because if that beholder is judging, are they judging your beauty, which they shouldn't? Because every single individual is just a beautiful being. Yes, I completely agree. And that's why I love the work that I do is because I can help people to see themselves for the first time, how I Mm. see them, Mm. really to see them and connect with them on that soul level and to really connect with the heart it's a beautiful process and when i think the the best moments for me are when because i do a lot of work of standing people in front of a mirror and looking themselves deeply in the eyes and a a lot of people can't do that because they don't like the reflection that's Mm -hmm. coming back to them but when we get to a place where they can stand in front of the mirror and say i love you i really love you and not just say it but feel it Mm. and then the emotion comes and then they're really truly connecting with self it is beautiful Mm -hmm. because once you've connected with that you can't take that away in my opinion you can go through lots of other challenges and it and that aspect might be challenged but when it's truly truly there when you truly love yourself not in an egotistical way in a soul level way then that's when that's when we've come home that's the biggest gift I think we can give to ourselves and to other people. Yeah. yeah. Unconditional, right? Yes. Yes. It has to be. It has mm-hmm. to be unconditional love. Listen, and I, I, I can go always back to the other species that live amongst us, dogs. Doesn't matter. You can yell at that dog. Three minutes later, that dog's happy to see you right? It's amazing. (laughs) It is probably the most amazing gift that a dog has. We humans don't have that, right? Because I've been in, 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 in relationship with someone who would be mad at me for four days. And I was like, and I would see them again. I'm like, you're still mad? I thought you got over it, right? And, you know, I apologize if I did anything wrong, but why are you carrying this weight? You know, you you have this weight on you. Why are you carrying that? Let it go. Um, You know, and one of the things for me is people like, that doesn't bother you? Like, no. It's a moment in time. If I carry it, you're right. It will bother me. I don't. I don't let it bother me. And I'm I'm pretty simple that way. And a lot of people will say to me, 
well, that person, they're trying to do you harm. I'm like, that's okay. That's on them. As long as I didn't receive the harm, I'm okay. If they want to continue with that, then of course I separate myself from them. But when we are looking to have that unconditional love, we need to truly separate from those type of people who are trying to hurt us, who don't care about us, just only care about themselves. And then we need to associate with those people who actually have that type of love. And if we can't find them, adopt a dog. Adopt a dog. (laughs) You love your dogs. Yeah, no, animals are just incredible, beautiful, sentient beings. They help us to be present. They help us to connect with our hearts. Mm -hmm. Like you said, they just offer so much love and support to people. So I love animals. They're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I've had birds too. And the funny thing is that if you, it depends on the bird. I, I had a sunken oar. And that bird used to love and cuddle right here. Unfortunately, um, my ex slept on it and that was it. Oh. But <laughs> it, it was such a sad time. But it was not intentional because the bird always wanted a cuddle, right? Oh. And you would imagine a bird wants to cuddle. Yes, that bird, We because it used to sing, we used to call it Pavarotti, right? So uh, we, yeah. we gave it a cool name. So Pavarotti would fly from its cage and sit, you know, on your shoulder and then just nestle in there. And she was sleeping on the couch and the bird flew on her. But when she turned over, she was asleep. She crushed it. Yeah, it wasn't her fault, of course. Oh, no. And she was, I was going to be super mad. And I'm like, how can I be mad? You know, Mm -hmm. the bird loved you. And without you knowing it, right, you just turned around. But it's when we nurture, right, we unintentionally sometimes hurt other people unintentionally so one of the things i i believe strongly on is communication because she thought i was going to be super mad at her but i couldn't blame her it wasn't her fault i mean we love that little bird right but not her Mm -hmm. fault and so a lot of times i just use that as as not use it i just shared that just to show how we can think other people are going to react. But a lot of times it may be a serious matter, right? So, and we're talking about fertility and infertility. And a lot of times we cannot blame our partner if we cannot conceive, right? We can't blame, if you're you're the man in the relationship, you cannot blame her for not being able to conceive. And even if you're the male part of it and it's your sperm that is not allowing the conception, you, as a female, I don't think you can blame him. It's just who he is. It's, it's his makeup, right? With women, there are certain things that can be done to kind of change the dynamics of being able to give birth. But it doesn't always work 100%, right? Absolutely. There are so many things that we're still learning about the female body. It's some a minefield for doctors really so mm. i think we have to be gentle with ourselves and each other because if the medical professionals who spend their whole lives researching and studying and working with bodies don't understand it then we have to have some grace for ourselves and other people in that too and just do the best we can and support each other through that process in the best that we can but i think self-compassion is really important and forgiveness is a big part of the journey of Mm. any journey of of healing, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of other people. And I think we forget to forgive self when we are going on that healing journey. We can come to ourselves last, but actually forgiveness of self is so very, very important. It sets us free. It's not saying, and it's not saying when when we think of forgiveness, it's not saying that the other person's behavior or our own behavior was okay. But it's not hold like you said. It's not holding on to it. It's right. letting that stuff go, 
and acknowledging that we're human. We all make mistakes and we can take some responsibility and accountability for that. And then we can let it go and, and move on and work towards being our best version. Yeah, absolutely. Let it being our best version. I think that's 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 a key for everyone. Uh, listen, if anybody's listening, please, you know, make a comment in there. Let us know that you're here with us. And, and if you have any questions, either for myself or for Sarah, please uh, let us know. We are here to impact anyone who needs help. If you need help, reach out to Sarah. She is amazing. She really is. Not only will she, you know, help you with whatever situations you're going with, but she's written a book. She's really a, a really good book. And I know I'm going to get my copy. It's going to be amazing. But Have you, you not got it yet? Not yet. No. Ah, yeah. I sent it. Week, I sent it weeks ago. Well, we'll have to take let, a look. We'll let me let me check that. Sure, no okay. problem. So, but here's the thing: you guys can pick it up, Sarah. Let's if you can share it, share your book with us, and also uh, when they can pick it up and how how they can pick it up. Thank you. So. My book is called Infertility Saved My Life, mm. Healing PCOS from the Inside Out. And the first part of this book is my memoir. So it's my journey through secondary infertility, my journey to have my three beautiful children, warts and all. It's a very raw, vulnerable share. Mm. And the second part of my book is all the tools, wisdom, insight and techniques that I learned along the way that I support people through their journey with. And a lot of people that have read the book say that it's not just for people who've gone through infertility or supporting somebody else through infertility. There's lots of lessons and tools and advice in there for life and just general adversity. So it is available in global bookstores. It is available through all the main online retailers. Or I'm also sending out signed author copies from uh -huh. my website. So www.sarahwellaby.com.au infertility saved my life you can order a signed copy and i yeah i'm very excited that it's finally here it's like birthing yeah. another baby yeah it's uh it's also we put the the link on the on the screen so anybody who wants to take a look at it go get her book uh, i i know it's 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 a book that can change your perspective your view on that you're not alone, right? Are, are people still feeling, even though there's so much out there, are people still feeling like they're alone? Absolutely. Mm. So many women and couples that are going through infertility are feeling unseen, unheard, unloved, unsupported. Mm. Anybody that's been going through miscarriages, that process is full of grief and loss and trauma and we don't know how to talk about it and we don't know how to support other people through it, which is why I've included a section in the book about 20 things to say to somebody who's had a miscarriage, 20 things not to say to somebody and how we can offer love and support to somebody going through those difficult challenges. We don't know how to, be, to support people through grief generally. We just don't, even though it's something that we will all experience at some point, mm -hmm. we don't talk about it. In fact, mm -hmm. grief is one of those subjects that when I write, I write about a variety of life topics, but in all the years that I've been writing articles, grief, if I write a post on social media, grief is that one thing that gets the most engagement, that people start sharing their stories and then supporting each other, mm -hmm. which is beautiful. But the common theme is I just... I don't know how to deal with it myself. I don't know how to support the people through it. I, I'm hurting. Yeah, yeah. Would you mind sharing? And, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, you you have uh, you know so many great tips, and, and one of them is the things you should say and the things you shouldn't say. Would you mind sharing? Let's start with the ones you shouldn't say, right? Because a lot of people don't realize that. Words are huge. They make an impact on somebody's psyche, right? They make an impact on, on, the, on the way somebody's going to feel 
because later on, maybe even a week, a month later, they'll remember what you said, you know, and, and that word, those words will really resonate and can either impact in a positive way or a negative way. So what are the words that, or the, the things that we should not say? We shouldn't say things like it was just a group of cells. We, to, because to that person, it was a baby. Mm. And we have no idea what journey that person has been on to get to that point. Right. Saying things like, well, you can have another one mm. is very disrespectful and dismissive. We haven't, again, we have no idea how long it's taken them to conceive, whether they can afford to go through more fertility treatment, if that's the journey that they've taken, right. whether they're emotionally able to go on that journey again, whether they're physically able. We have mm. no idea. Other things not to say are, you can have another one mm. or, oh, well, at least you can always adopt. Mm. There's just so many things that we, we put our own perspective into it. And we, and, and people, I'll take a step back. People are, are coming from a kind place most right. of the time. They're not trying to hurt the other person, but I think it's as simple as saying I'm sorry for your loss and I am here for you. Those are the words we should use. Yeah. Those I'm are sorry the words. for your loss and I'm here for you. Yes. Something as simple as that. You know, I, I can't imagine what you're going through, but I just want you to know that I care mm. and I'm here. Mm. And offering practical support, offering to cook dinner for that person or offering to do the laundry or just going and sitting with that person and having a cup of tea with them and and just a shoulder to cry on if they want to talk. And not everybody does want to talk and that's okay. Right. But just knowing that that, that is a grieving process and it's not going to just suddenly disappear in a, in a day or a week or people grieve for years. In fact, some of the people that have read my book are in their 70s and have said, I'm really sad that the system hasn't changed and that there still isn't that mm. emotional and mental support for people because I lost my baby when I was in my 20s and I'm still thinking about that and I still grieve that loss and I'm still healing from that. Mm. And, and that's really sad that we're walking around carrying these wounds that we can't see. No. So, so many people are impacted, so many people. You, you know, um, my brother-in-law's mom um, in Colombia, because I'm Colombian, she had 27 babies. Only seven survived. Seven. She, so she went through this process of getting pregnant 27 times. Can I tell you, she had two albums. She had an album of all the babies she lost, newborns, you know, all that. And they died shortly after. But to go through that, she actually had the album. And I don't know how I got to see it. I was a little kid when I saw it. And I was like, who are these people? And she kind of said, those were my babies. I was like, what do you mean were? She goes, yeah, they passed. I'm like, oh, wow. And I, I was very young when I saw this album, and I was like, it's still in my mind. That's something mm -hmm. I can never, you know, when they say when you see something, you cannot see it. I see it yeah. and, and for that reason alone, I don't know how I got to see it and her answer. And, you know, she didn't get deep into it because I'm a little boy, right? It impacted me to understand, wow, this woman has gone through so much. But she did not give up. And she's probably one of the strongest women I've ever met. You know, she did pass uh, many years ago. But the strength that this woman had was incredible. And at her time, there was none, there was no support for someone who went through something like that. They really didn't talk about it. And, and the fact that she kept an album it only told me later on when i really thought about it is that this woman was suffering every time and if she needed to remember she'd go back and 
look at the pictures. Some of them were in coffins. So dramatic. So heartbreaking. And it it made her strong. But I, I was never able to really talk to her because I was a little kid. Would I be able to talk to her now? Yeah, my, my heart would break. But I, you know, to understand what this woman went through, my gosh, incredible. And, and she was such a strong, and, and she loved her seven kids, you know, beyond. So, wow. It, it just, it, it's just amazing what someone can go through, but someone who doesn't give up can continue to go through, right? Something that you didn't give up, that you said you had to, right? And you have three beautiful children. So congratulations. And and the hard work that you did paid off. And a lot of people don't understand because they're not in your shoes. Listen, some people can look at a person and they can get pregnant, right? It's crazy. <laughs> and then there's other people who it's a struggle and it's a real struggle and it's a gift when you do get pregnant. Right. So, wow. You know, it's just, it's, it, it baffles me how there's so little help still for such a big deal. You know, when, when we think about life. I think so. And when you consider the statistics around it, 23 million miscarriages occur every mm. year. 186 million people live with infertility globally. Mm. This this is a big topic right. that we do need to talk about. And I too remember when I was first working in the corporate world, so I worked in corporate HR for um, companies like Rolls-Royce and Airbus, the plane manufacturer, and I remember I was supporting this manager at the time with a lady who was on sick leave and she had, I think she'd had another miscarriage, but she had a photo on her desk of her stillborn baby and she was still deeply grieving for that stillborn baby and other people around her felt very uncomfortable with the fact that she had this photo of her mm -hmm. baby on her desk and even though I didn't understand that at the time, it was before I started my journey to have my children, I remember thinking to myself, she probably just wants somebody to go and talk to her and say, mm. tell me about your little girl. Yeah. yeah. That will help her to, to move forward and to feel that her child has been acknowledged, to feel that her pain has been acknowledged. And it was, yeah, it was a very sad situation to to witness and to see everybody sort of fumbling around and not knowing how to deal with that and mm. not and just wanting to look the other way yeah i don't want to i don't want to see it if i can't see it if she just put that photo away we don't need to talk about it and we can just pretend that she doesn't have that pain right that that's not the case that's not the case she could yeah, have put yeah. that photo in it in her drawer but that pain would have still been with her. She still would have been the same person with the same problems, dealing with the same levels of stress and right. everything that she was going through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So, you know, and, and I didn't want to bring the, the conversation downward, but it is a fact, right? Th these are things that, that are happening. These are things that a lot of people are experiencing. And we need to acknowledge everyone. Um, but then we, we let's let's turn it around to that moment when you hold your baby, right? When, when you hold that precious gift, how was that like for you? Absolutely incredible. And I just want to sort of share that I went through secondary infertility. So I'd already had a beautiful little boy and it literally mm -hmm. was like, you know, my ex-husband looked at me and I pretty much fell pregnant, even though I had an underlying, you know, medical condition. And he was then born two months prematurely. So we went on a very difficult journey mm. with that. So I was, I was giving birth to him for real at the time that I was supposed to be in my, in my antenatal class of how to give birth. So I had no idea what I was doing because I hadn't had the class. Right. And the irony of that situation wasn't lost on me. Right. 
everybody else is wondering where I am and I'm actually in hospital. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at him for the first time going, wow, this is crazy because I was not prepared to give birth. And they mm-hmm. told me that they would be able to stop the contractions and they couldn't. And that was amazing. Then I went on that crazy journey for four or five years to try and have my second child mm-hmm. and had a very difficult delivery with her. But when I held her in my arms and she, having just been told by the obstetrician that she was, congratulations, you've had a boy. And I'd already had a scan to be told I'd had a was having a little girl. And so I was having all this conversation. I what? A boy? What? What's going on? <laughs> and then one of the midwives slid into the obstetrician and said, I think you need to double check that. Ah, <laughs> oh, congratulations, you've had a little girl. And I'm like, not feeling so comfortable now that you're about to stitch me up when you're clearly <laughs> tired and have been too long in theatre. Mm-hmm. But when I looked into her eyes and she looked back at me, I just I felt this instant soul connection with her. It was the most beautiful experience. Mm. And then when I had my third child, my second daughter, and again, for me, that was the minute we decided we were going to try to have a third child, I got pregnant. So I've been through it all. I've been the easy way, the hard way, the, you know, everything. Mm. But for her, it was like this kind of soul completion because I knew she was going to be my last baby. Mm-hmm. and and her delivery had been the, the way it was supposed to be in my mind. And um, no pain relief, no no fuss, no drama, not the room not mm. filled with 20 people like it had been, no emergency situation, just pure love, joy, connection. And so if I can help anybody to go through those experiences of holding that healthy baby in your arms and just looking back, you know, at each, just looking at each other that I contact is just amazing it is yeah i will spend the rest of my life doing this work just to give somebody else that moment yeah yeah i I was fortunate that i was uh, for all all the births of my children i was present i was there and in two of them i actually was asked can you do this like of course i can help <laughs> so I was actually asked by the doctor, can I help do this? And I was like, of course, I'll do whatever you need. It's my child. And, and you know, that's such a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I said it in the previous uh, show we did together. I said, if I can give birth as a man, I would. And then we talked about the movie Twins, right? Where Arnold Schwarzenegger was was pregnant. But it it's a it's a gift that some people don't realize how beautiful it truly, truly is and, and the connection that a mom can have with her child. Because, listen, I was there for my child. I don't have and could never have that connection with my children as their mother can because they lived in her body. Right. It's an incredible I listen, I'm envious. I know I can never have it. But just to imagine that you your body is a vehicle to produce life. Wow. That is a gift. That is a true gift. It really is. And I. I loved being able to feel my babies moving around inside me, but that was what made it hard for me was that when I'd had my miscarriages, I felt that connection and then it was gone Mm. and there wasn't a baby to hold in your arms and that's what a lot of women struggle with. So, yeah. That's got to be tough. That's got to be super Mm. tough. Um, But, you know, we hope that anybody going through a great pregnancy or a pregnancy that has to be terminated has the support, right? What what happens nowadays? Women are, and, and I think we talked about it, women are having babies later on in life. So their bodies are a little different than when they're not as fertile, if you will, when they're in their eight, when they're teenagers, right? Or when they're in their 20s or early 20s. Now, women are having babies close to 40s, 
some even after 40s. And then their bodies are not, they're not ready to hold on to that anymore as, as they were when they were younger. How important is it to maybe go back and, and find that balance of what's most important, my career or my future? Because, you know, yes, you may want to pursue this career. And, and I, I think one of the problems that we have in society is that if you're pregnant, you can have a career, right? You're no good anymore. And, and I hate that. Because, no, it's not that you're not good anymore. You're better now, right? Because you are, you have a gift. You have this miracle inside of you. What are your thoughts? I think hindsight is a wonderful thing. And I know a lot of women that are going through fertility issues, are going through the process of thinking, oh, if only I tried to have a baby sooner. Mm then I wouldn't be in this situation. But I think, honestly, we ha we can only deal with the cards that we are dealt at each particular point in our lives. Right. Some people don't meet a partner until they're older. Mm. Some people, you know, their partner might not be ready at that particular point in time, even if they are. So I think we... I think it is something that should be spoken about in sex ed at school because you spend so long talking about ways not to get pregnant and why you shouldn't get pregnant that it's almost like it's a given that you assume that as soon as you want to have a baby it's going to happen naturally for you and easily it's almost like you said you know everybody will just look at each other and they'll get pregnant mm -hmm. so i think there's some there's definitely some education around that but it, you need to be very careful with that to not put fear into people and to not stress people with that sort of little seed that gets planted in your brain around you know well maybe i'm going to struggle mm -hmm. so there's definitely a balance that needs to be played but i think there is a place for that education and those conversations to happen at a sort of younger age and certainly all my children know the journey that i went on to have them we talk about it we light candles for the babies every year that didn't make it they are mm. part of that process so they will grow up knowing that you know it didn't happen so easily for me with with my second child mm -hmm. and I think we just need to support each other at whatever stage they're at at whatever age they're at because just because somebody's in their 40s doesn't mean that they're going to struggle to have a baby and lots of people who are in their 20s struggle to have a baby you know like I was in my 20s when I first started having my family so our bodies are all unique, and I think it's about focusing on what can we do from a mind, body, spirit perspective mm. to get ourselves in the best place possible to welcome a healthy baby into the world, acknowledging that it isn't just a physical journey, that our mindset and our spiritual journey also comes into that. And when all of those things are balanced, then we give ourselves the best chance to be a mum, to be a dad. So... I think there's definitely some education around that, realising that the medical journey can also include alternative support and healing and therapy mm -hmm. and that so many people have amazing success when they incorporate those things into their lives. It isn't just always about going to the doctor, having fertility mm -hmm. treatment, though right. it absolutely is amazing and incredible and it has its place, but... There are definitely other things, and that's a message that I really want to get out there. Don't give up hope. There are lots and lots of things that we can do to support ourselves and to reduce stress and to help us to deal with the challenges that come through that journey, whatever that looks like for us. Yeah, absolutely. I love the fact that you said that even in sex ed, there has to be that type of conversation, that type of knowledge to be shared and there shouldn't be a, a shame like oh you shouldn't have a baby until you're the you know i agree 100 percent. sarah i i gotta tell you every time you and i talk i just i just i feel your love i feel your heart um come right through the screen and on how you care and, and how much you want to help people don't stop doing what you're doing i mean you're amazing at it keep doing it anybody who needs to get in touch with sarah Please do so. 
you know, once again, it's important. It's sarahwillaby.com dot au, right? And then yeah. infertility saved my life. That's her book. It's it's an incredible journey you've been on. It's an incredible journey you're helping other people navigate because it's not an easy task and you're doing amazing in God's work. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoy our conversations and I too feel your beautiful heart and all the incredible work that you're doing to support each other around the world. And I just feel really blessed that we've connected. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, you have an amazing rest of your day. And then don't go away, Sarah, because we're going to have a chat again. And everybody out there, have an amazing and blessed. If if you're where Sarah is, you may be sleeping, but cut, come back and catch this uh, replay. Um, you know, share this with someone who may be struggling or who even is looking to become pregnant because Sarah can help you. I know she can. So have an amazing rest of your day, everybody. Take care.